tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome off the post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? I'm doing, Russell. How have you been in the last 24 hours? Interesting. Yeah, nice, nice day. Good hockey. Uh, yeah, that's about all the sports I want to talk about, just hockey. Um, and Michael Jello, Mike? <laughs> I'm well, Russ. Uh, the Bills are 2-0, and although they've made two really bad teams look actually decent. So I don't <laughs> yeah, know how they good did. they really are. Yeah, you said that for most of the year last year, and they made the playoffs, so you're, you're probably okay. All right, so let's, uh, let's get into game one action here. Uh, interesting because the, we get done talking all the time about how guys come out of nowhere, and I mentioned yesterday guys come out of nowhere all the time. I mentioned Mike Rupp because I, I covered the 03 uh, Stanley Cup. It was the first one I ever covered, and he gets the game winner, and it's like, you know, yesterday, Joel Hanley gets the game winner yeah. and you tweet it out. And it's just like, that's, that's perfect. That is what the Stanley Cup is. So that was my first bit of normalcy for a while in, in 2020. Yeah, I mean, just the just it's part and parcel with the Dallas Stars, though, what we discussed yesterday. It's just, yeah. <laughs> they, get, it's just they, they pull guys out of the woodwork that just score goals and you know, go, going back a little bit, obviously, what Pete Weber said, said uh, last week about how they just seem like a team of destiny. When Joel frickin' Hanley scores a goal, then you know there's just something. They're, they're, they're wearing green, so they have some kind of clover either in their jersey or up, or, or, or somewhere uh, <laughs> they've got going, right? I'm not going to get in the – we're going to try to keep this a family show here, but, um, you know, Alexiak scoring a goal, I mean yeah. – it's just, and, and Kibi Ranta, again, who's becoming, you know, the, the, the great Finnish legend at this point. And, you know, Kadobin doing Kadobin things, which is, you know, somehow they, they hold it, it. Again, they define explanation. But this, I will say this about them. They did dominate play for the first two periods. I mean, they, they, they genuinely earned this win. But, man, it felt like the third period literally was just them holding on by their fingernails. I thought in some ways I was watching the, you know, Reminded of the uh, of the Flyers against Montreal or the games that they had against some of the games against the Islanders where they were able to hold on and close out. It had that same kind of feel like they were hold, but they had enough of a lead and defensively they were able to kind of keep things at bay. But again, here we are, Dallas Stars up one nothing. Mike, it's interesting because um, I was I was at the I, would, I think I was on the draft floor when um, Alexiak got drafted and and I took a picture from like the bottom up because the guy's massive and he was just hitting people yesterday. I mean, hitting people, taking names, the, the goal, you know, wasn't totally shocking for me because, you know, when he was at Northeastern, he actually was a pretty good offensive player. It's just that, Hey, in the NHL, they've got guys for that, like Haskin and stuff. So he was going to have to play a different role, but I can't say I was completely shocked that he scored. No, but, uh, I mean, we've seen throughout the playoffs bonuses wanted to activate his defense. You've seen Heisken yeah. jump into the attack a lot. Klingberg does it all the time. 
Uh, it is a little disconcerting to see Alexiak, six foot seven, two hundred and fifty-five pounds, heading to the net. I mean, if I'm a goaltender, I'm, <laughs> I'm crapping my pants. But uh, you know, it was it was actually a deft a deft play. But to to your to uh, Anthony's point about you know the unsung heroes here, it's like you know you've got these you got the Finnish legends, Solani, Koivu. And Kiviranta. I mean, the way the way he's the way he's playing right now. And I'm being facetious, but obviously, you know, he's shown up at the right time. And they didn't get a lot of production out of their out of their big line yesterday. Ben was, you know, I think fairly silent and you know, Radulov and and and, and Ben had a couple chances early in that first period. Yeah, but it's but it's been you know they're getting it from their blue line. They're getting it from yep. their, from from their secondary. You know, third, fourth, and third, fourth lines, which is you know the, the recipe for a team to 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 win. But you know, I picked I picked the, the Lightning in seven. I'm a little concerned about that pick right now. But the third period when they outshoot them twenty to two, I mean, they're they're playing they're, they're trying to play a four corners defense and just kill the clock. And I don't know if that's going to result in in momentum for game two. But you know, it was basically. You know, just let, let Tampa shoot the puck and let Kadobin work his butt off, and and, he, and they won the game. But I, I, in terms of momentum for Game Two, I, I don't think that was a good thing for for the Stars. Well, I, 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 and I'll follow up with that by saying, yeah, that that's the one thing that you do. And I, I go back to my point about how they how they feel like they do a kind of a lucky clover. The problem is, again, is that as you go along, if you don't start to get some level of production out of your top guys you know, it, it fluctuates up and down. And when you get into, you know, it's good to get those depth guys scoring, but at some point here they're going to need to make sure to get Ben loose offensively here to really, I think, for them to have the series. I think game two in many ways will be more of the, will feel more of a bearing on what this series will be, I think, more than anything. Whereas game one kind of was a little bit wild in some ways in how the, kind of the results uh, came out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, interesting thing about Kivaranta, I did a show Saturday night and couldn't come up with his name because he's not a household name and just said the young Finn. <laughs> and and I wanted to mention him yesterday and and just didn't remember to um, because I look we we don't do this show scripted. We do it off the top of our heads. So I didn't. And what's interesting about it, Ant, is on the um, Stanley Cup Media Day, uh, Jim Nill. Talked about Kiviranta, and this is like a Jim Nill special. This is the kind of guy that Jim Nill used to be able to grab all the time in Detroit. So, you know, he plays in Finland. He, he wins the Finnish championship there. They like what they see. Yeah. They sign him. They bring him to Texas. I mean, he had 23 points in 48 games. He didn't light up the AHL. And then they decide, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's just have him here just in case. Yeah. <laughs> and, man, and, and he had one goal. He had one goal in the regular season in 11 games, and now he's got five. He's got five, exactly. I mean, there's just – there's it, it just kind of goes straight to the unexplainable – how this, this whole tournament has been just the unexplainable. And, again, you have to give some credit. I'm, again, kind of part and parcel with the fact that one of the areas that the, that the Red Wings were really good at in, in terms of maintaining their level of excellence for so long before recently is – how well they plumbed Scandinavia for really good players, and also yeah. and also found good Finnish players. And again, Mill comes from that school from from the Red Wings organization. And I don't think that's necessarily coincidence that the Dallas Stars have been pretty good with regards to plumbing Finland for some pretty good young play, for some pretty good players. 
Yeah, and um, Mike, so we, we all agreed that, you know, Dallas's blue line was the better blue line, even though Hedman, you know, there was discussion whether who, who was better between Hedman or Haskinen. And you guys have to start saying Haskinen because if you don't, the Finns are getting mad now. I see it on Facebook. Like, they're just like, it's not that hard to say it. Like, they're getting mad at us. What was it? Did Uni Niemann give it to you? No, no, no. Risto. Risto did. Risto Perico. Oh, Risto. No, absolutely. Risto. You've run a foul of Risto Pacarine. That's good. You might as well just call it a day, man. Yeah. So he's getting mad now. I will say, if Uni got on you, you might as well retire at that point. Yeah. Uni's not going to kill you for anything. Well, I'm an. No, no, but hold on. I'm an equal yeah. opportunity mispronouncer because I say I say Heiskanen and I say Sergachev when it's Sergachev and, and yeah. Heiskanen. That's fair. Well, the but, way it goes rate, is that, like, as we mentioned before with Russian, it's it's always the middle that gets emphasized, and oh, yeah. I think it's a little bit of that sometimes with Finn, but with Finnish, but I I'm not so sure. Again, it's it's just that particular language pattern in this case where you have to kind of pick up on that. Most North American announcers don't; they don't care. Uh, they're going to say whatever they're going to say because it's quicker for them to say it. True, and that's really what it boils down to. But well, we, we agreed on their blue line, and, and actually for a lot of that game, the blue line was the difference for Dallas. And we, you know, we all talk about Haskin, but Klingberg was, was a monster too in that game. He really was. Yeah. And, and he is a guy that you know, a couple of years ago people were you know, just – not giving him the credit he deserved. A couple of years ago, he almost had a Norris-type year. And I get it. There's years where sometimes he doesn't look his offensive best. But i got to say, he's, he's really ro- risen to the occasion here. On that me- media call, he was very loose. Uh, I think a lot of the Dallas players are loose. And, and we saw something else, Ant. We, we did see Sagan shooting. He was better when he's trying to score down low because you could see there's definitely something with the handle wrist because his shot's not accurate and it's going all over yeah. the place. But but they are starting to get him uh, closer to the net, and that's something where we might see some second goals from. But, you know, right. Tampa still doesn't get to the net. They really still don't. That's the key. Yeah, that's huge right now. They're just, they discovered in that game last night how tough it is to get to the net against Dallas yeah. when they begin to collapse in. And not just collapse in also. They'll, they'll, they'll staple you to the boards on the outside because they've right. got enough big bodies on, on that defense that they can do it. But even just trying to get to the middle, it gets it, – Tampa has bigger forwards, but the problem is some of the bigger forwards, in this case, Killorn, not quite, you know, makes a mistake in the game, gets penalized. Yeah. Pat Maroon loses his – Pat Maroon's one of the big forwards that they've acquired, lost his damn mind in the game by shooting the puck. Yeah, that was bad. Bench, which was, you know, don't know what – and you take those guys out that could probably get a beachhead in front, it makes it it a tall order for Tampa's uh, smaller skilled players to try to – slip between the, the, you know, the, the redwood trees that, you know, the, the stars blue line represents. So again, Klingberg, Heiskanen, Alexiak, again, much of that blue line again is, 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 is tough to attack. And when they get a lead, um, you know, unlike in the, you know, the, the, the one, the outlier probably was the color, you know, games five and six of the Colorado series when it was just, you know, wild West. But for the most part, when Dallas wants to play clamp down and really shut you down, they can do it. Well, let me just say the one thing that John Cooper has to be concerned about, maybe as a mild concern going into game two, not only Maroon with the shot at Kiwi Ranta on the bench after they scored the goal to make it 3-1 to one and he gets a 10-minute misconduct, but I think it was Point, I may be wrong, who took a run at Haskinen in the middle of the ice, and the thing was in the third period, and missed elbowing him in the head 
by about three inches. Um, that could have been that could have been a five in a game if it had connected yeah. the right way. And then at the end of the game, you saw Tampa Bay trying to run some of the Dallas defense after the whistle, trying trying stuff. I mean, that's a sign of frustration. And if, if oh, yeah. Dallas continues to to get under, you know, get a bee in their bonnet and get guys like Corey Perry and Como under under their skin, it's not going to serve uh, Tampa Bay well. It's interesting, too, because Dallas won the face-off battle, but um, Brayton Point was 85% on face-offs. I don't know if I've ever seen that. 85%. And, um, and Pavelski was 62. And so those, both those guys were, were doing good, good work. But Dallas had a lot of blocks. They had 26 blocks to the Tampa's 18. And that's the, the point that I did try and make when I picked um, Dallas in six and was that Dallas is going to do everything they can to make sure you don't shoot the puck on net easily. And you know what? <laughs> they did a good job in that game for most of the game. Like you said, Tampa started to break through. And Tampa kind of knows, like I, I, Coleman was on the call today and a few other guys, and, and they know what they have to do, and they're saying the right things, but they actually have to just present the will to do it. That's the problem here is that they didn't show the will enough in that game. No, so the problem is, again, too far behind after two periods. And yeah. then they decided to kind of flip the switch in the third period to rally from behind. And, again, I, I get the fact that they have played. I'm not using, you don't certainly want to use this excuse. I, I get the fact that they kind of played, if you get into it, you have, the, you have a double overtime game against the Islanders and then another overtime game in order to win the series. So, in some ways, it's almost the equivalent of playing a full seven-game series. Uh, that they had against the Islanders. The Islanders really gave them, you know, a lot to deal with in that series. Uh, even though they took command, even though they were able to command and, and, and close and close it out in six, it was it was a tough series for them. And they kind of had to kind of jump straight into this series. And Dallas was able to do what they were able to do in terms of shutting them down for two periods. And they, they flat out said it right from jump that they were all over us from the from the uh, from from the from the drop of the puck. And it reminded me a lot of. When I heard that comment, it reminded me a lot of Philly against the Flyers Islanders series. The Flyers kind of thought they were going to let, kind of meander in, or there was a feeling out period. Well, there's no travel involved. There's no real need to kind of be really be worried about sort of going, you know, worrying about um, you know meandering your way into the series and sort of filling each other out. If, you, if you're the underdog, you go right at them, and that's exactly what Dallas did, and that's to their yeah. credit. And Tampa's got to deal with it now. Now, Mike, something that I found interesting. Again, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked that I'm watching this Stanley Cup and I have no chance of covering it. My brain is still not working well with that, but I'm getting past it. But the other thing that it's not working well with is by showing the Stanley Cup early in this series, you know, we're so used to the Cup coming into the building only when a team has a chance to actually win it that night. Um, we're, we saw Stanley in game one. Like, that's another sign that 2020 is weird. Yeah, I think they're taking a cue from the WWE. It's like they're showing, the, now here's the championship belt. Right. It's, hanging on, it's hanging over the ring or it's going right. to be left on the table with the, where the bell is being rung. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little weird, too. But uh, You know I mean, what, though? I will get my finish. I'm sorry. You go. Okay. <laughs> I loved it. I got to tell you, I loved it. I'm having it up on, on the dais like that. Yeah. Something about it where I went. Yeah, 2020's had some weird moments, and this kind of was initially <laughs> weird. And in a crowded arena, it, it, in an actual arena, it will be extremely difficult for them to pull it off. 
But I got to tell you, I liked, I kind of liked it. And I thought Kadobin's comment afterwards was perfect. Hey, guys, let's go up and steal it. <laughs> and I was like, I was, no, I, I was, but you know what? That actually, if you think about it, that's, it's kind of cool to have that kind of intrinsic motivator. To it is a motivator, up. sure. It was great. I mean, it, 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 because you, it, it, in, with the absence of a crowd, with the absence of a lot of the normal pomp and circumstance that we would have prior to game one, to have the cup on display there, um, it kind of brought – I think it definitely brought a lot of fire out of it. I mean, Dallas probably had enough intrinsic motivation to begin with, being the underdog in the series. But I have, I have no doubt them seeing that being put on display, you know, I think lit the fires even more than maybe they would have had prior to that. And, you know, but, Ant, getting, getting to the crowd – Yeah. I was going to say, getting to the crowd, I would like to see the crowd be a little more animated and fired up like it was in Philadelphia today, booing Carson Wentz. The digital boos were fantastic. I really, I, I'm glad I had the game on for that because I was like, this is perfect because this is exactly what the, the fans would do. Of the fact, you are jealous of the fact that they haven't, they haven't done this at a Jets game yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could because they could do it every minute. Like, there's, there's not going to be a moment to pick out for the Jets for booze. It would be the entire game. Yeah, they could just the get difference. that audio. You they could just get that audio know. from City from City Field there, Russ. <laughs> no, they're too busy light. No, no, things are too busy getting lit on fire outside of City Field. As everybody, yeah, I don't know what that was. That was that was kind of wild. <laughs> no, the best All right. identity. I I thought it was I, uh, great when someone said they announced the new. Mr. The new mayor, Mr. Matt. <laughs> yeah, crazy, t- crazy times. All right, so let's right. talk a little Alex Petrangelo, Mike. And I said it right. I, I said it right so our friends on Twitter, and you know who I'm talking about, won't say anything to it. <laughs> and he'll, he'll rip me enough when he hears me for the uh, – NHL draft coverage soon on Sirius, but that's John's got a little lead time on that. Um, but let's let's talk about this defenseman and the stories that are coming out and the places he might go. And of course, Toronto is mentioned. And I'm going to go out and just say, like I said on the Buzzcast the other day, no way would I want to give him a seven-year deal. I don't care how good he is today. I don't want him when he's 35, 6, and 7. I don't. If I had to go with a five-year deal, I could live with that last year. But I'm telling you, I think if the Leafs do this, this is no different than they've been doing with every other general manager for every other incarnation of the Leafs for the last 15 years. Yeah, I'm going to have to learn to pronounce his name correctly since there's a very good chance he could end up in Toronto. But, uh, no, I mean, first of all, I mean, we saw the landscape of, of what happened over the last 72 hours. We saw where it was going four or five months ago when, when, the, when Doug Armstrong traded for Justin Falk, traded for Marco Scandella, extended them both. He has Perunovic coming, who won the Hobie Baker uh, yep. last year. So he's got a loaded defense. And he basically is saying, is saying to Petrangelo, okay, if you want to stay here, you're going to have to take a significant discount. And according to Jeremy Rutherford in The Athletic, he basically said they didn't talk term. They wouldn't be nailed down on term. They wouldn't be nailed down on signing bonus. In fact, they weren't being nailed down on anything. They're not negotiating with him because I don't think they want him back and they don't want to spend the money that it's worth to, to keep him. Now, they're in a different situation. Teams like and the, the three teams that have been mentioned, 
prom- the two most prominent have been Vegas and Toronto. Uh, we've heard Boston being mentioned as a possibility. Boston has a lot of cap space, but they have a lot of play, you know, players like McAvoy in a year or two yeah. that need will need a new deal. So I don't know whether they're they're going to be willing to to pony up you know eight eight and a half eight point seven five on Petrangelo. I, I do think that Vegas with with Foley, their owner, you know, basically battling Father Time to want to win a Stanley Cup, that they might go that far on a seven-year deal. I, I think the Leafs will, will too, and I think that really, I mean, they're looking at the situation where you've got a window here of three or four years with Morgan Riley for another two on a contract, with Tavares turning 30 today, so probably three or four years in his prime. <clears throat> Matthews under contract and and Marner under contract, that this is your window, and we know that they're not going to win they're not going to win a Stanley Cup if they don't significantly upgrade their defense, and the only way that they can do that is either sign Petrangelo or trade for a Dumba or an Ekblad, which I, I, I think will be more difficult than trying to attract Petrangelo to Toronto. So, I mean, this is the task of Kyle Dubas, and I think he, one way or the other he's going to fulfill that task. Yep. Um, I'm in agreement with Michael. I think in this case, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs of all the te- of the three teams that we've mentioned have the greatest need for Alex Petrangelo. I think Vegas can, could use him, but I don't think it's for them. They've got enough, I think, especially after the – and again, not to make this a comparison, but I think the Martinez trade helped to stretch out their blue line a little bit uh, to the point where I, the defense was not, in my mind, what hurt them in, in that conference final. Uh, it was very much the, it was very much their forward core that needed to kick the Annie up and kick in more in that in that conference final and as we know late in that series against Vancouver, uh, Boston again it, it, it just it, I think there's some things that's kind of I think they had the space but they'd have to shift some things around. I often wonder whether or not Boston's got their if Boston's mentioned because of maybe fear that the Maple Leafs would acquire Petrangelo and that's something yeah that I think that's a part of it. Mind. I think that's a part of it as well. Um, any way that you can sort of tweak the the lease, so, you know, the Bruins will attempt to do that, or drive uh, the price up. Exactly, sure. drive the price up. Either any way, any way it works in this circumstance. That being said, based off of the way the Leafs are currently structured, they desperately need a defenseman, I think, of Alex Petrangelo's caliber. Um, and I do think in this circumstance, knowing that there is leverage that is involved, uh, they will probably, they will likely. Uh, have to move off another player in this circumstance, I think, to make it happen. I think, Mike, we all know uh, the name uh, William Nealander is probably going to come up in this circumstance in order to get to the number that had been quoted, I think, by Andy Strickland. I think the number that was quoted was around nine, start, starting at 9.25. Um, and I, while, Russ, I know your, the salary number isn't as much concern as the, uh, as the term is. It's the term, yeah. It's I at this point. If you think you've got a window here with the current roster as it is constructed, and you are adding a defenseman in this circumstance of Petrangelo's caliber, this is not the same thing. And I said this is kind of reminds me a lot of Philadelphia in the late aughts, early 2010s, right around 2010, uh-huh. when they really, as a young roster, was hitting were hitting the wall in the playoffs. They had one brief deep run, and then they had they struggled to get past Pittsburgh, and they needed. Some they needed to shore up the blue line desperately. Something that piece that brought the parts together. And I think in this circumstance, because again he is 30 years old. It's not like when the Flyers acquired Pronger and he was 34, you know, 34, 35 years old, 34, right. 35 years old. 
you're going to have a window of Petrangelo, and that that requires two additional years of his of, in order to secure his services on a contract. I think it's something that Dubas probably has to do in this circumstance for them to really have that window of three, four years here. You buy three, four years with the understanding that, you know, you're, you, may, you may be sucking it. You may, you know, if Petrangelo's play begins to drop, then, you, you know, at that point you, you cross that bridge when you come to it. But for now, I, my, I, I'm in agreement with Michael. I think the Maple Leafs uh, need him. He's going to leverage that need. Um, but I do. my gut feeling is that I do think he ends up in Toronto unless somebody else jumps in. And also I mentioned, as I mentioned before uh, briefly, that it's also going to have to be a mutual thing. I don't know whether or not, you know, Petra, you know he's, as I said, St. Louis is an excellent hot NHL market. Toronto's uh-huh. like going to church. It's a uh-huh. very different thing. And you're going to need, in, in this circumstance, he's going to have to be willing to, uh, to want to smoke, basically, to want to go to the big smoke and go to Toronto and know what comes in with that. But, again, he does have a Stanley Cup already, a recent Stanley Cup under his resume, key, key element of that, of that cup-winning team. So I think he can handle it if, if he wants it. Okay. Mike, um, do you think the Leafs will uh, trade for his rights? Uh, I, I don't think so, simply because, uh, well, I mean, we know that there is no five-day window this time around. Right. Um, so, I mean, maybe that decreases the chances of a trade. I mean, we saw the Edmondson deal. We saw, uh, we've seen it in the past where teams will trade. I, I, I think the Leafs, you know, I think they probably already – without tampering, obviously. I've already signaled maybe through his agent or even using the press, you know, the para- maybe the parameters of a potential offer that they could really wait until October the 9th. I don't think, you know, right now the greatest fear is that he goes back to St. Louis and he says, okay. But it, it doesn't seem like St. Louis is, is willing. It's like St. Louis told him, why don't you go to market? They basically told him that, you know, what he is looking for, which is anywhere from, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson's eight and a quarter, which I think is a low point to what Yossi got, which was 9.05. He's looking in that area. He, you know, we know Tavares took a couple million less because uh, San Jose offered him 13 mil on his contract, and he took 11 from the Leafs. There has been talk that Petrangelo want, would like to play for Toronto. Uh, he's friends with a couple players on the team. He's from King City, which is right around Toronto. So, I mean, I don't think there's going to be much of a discount for him going to Toronto. He's going there to get paid, and he's going to get a front-loaded deal just like Tavares and Marner and Matthews did. So, um, But I don't think they'll trade for his rights. I think they'll save the draft picks and wait till October 9th. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I, I saw a picture today. I think it was Anthony. Or, or no, it may have been Mike. No, that was Mike. That was definitely Mike. I'm not taking credit for that. That's Michael. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, it was Mike <laughs> that sent it. And, you know, growing up, I grew up with, like, vanilla wafers. And uh, the oh. Nabisco ones were, were some of the best. And, but, you know, some of the uh, imported ones were really good, too. Um, I just think that making those into pumpkin spice cream is just like you you might as well you might as well just kill the whole line of them i mean it's just there's nothing close to the essence of the good vanilla cream compared to that crap it's just i don't even see how you do it but anthony might like it so he could he could dunk it into his 
cold pumpkin cream Starbucks coffee. So maybe Anthony <laughs> likes it. Much. That, that's too much. That's too much. That's overkill. Okay. I am a per I, I am a person who believes in moderation. I also am trying to avo- I, I'm trying to avoid getting early diabetes, which that would probably induce. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes. I, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to my wafers, especially you know in my family uh, with my wife's family and the you know the Russians are known for the fact they love their wafers and their uh, yeah. vanilla wafers, all the imported stuff. So. Yeah. No, again, I told, as I've said to you before, Russ, I'm extremely, when it comes to pumpkin spice, it's coffee. And then it gets, I get very picky with regards to the product because I am in agreement with you that I do think there is uh, a, pro- a product overkill when it comes to pumpkin spice. I no, do I know you do. You. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm not touching the, I'm not touching those wafers. Well, Mike, well, what's if your I, if I, if I had to assign the blame for my type 2 diabetes, it would be a, a triple-pronged attack of uh, Tang, Coca-Cola, and Vortman's cookies. Because uh, they, 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 they were always on sale at the local supermarket, and they always found, found a way in, in the pantry. And uh, not the Are way they all involved, there. Mike? Are they all involved in a future lawsuit? Is that why you mentioned them? Yes, yes. It's a class action suit. <laughs> but uh, but 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 I I, I just I just I, honestly I get haunted walking through the aisles of the supermarket seeing products that normally I would I would try or products that I have tried in other forms and seeing this abomination of pumpkin spice it's an attack on my senses. It is like today I and to to finish this off I I made mm-hmm. a beautiful hot apple tartlet and I'll be posting the picture soon from Aldi for <laughs> for dinner. Um, that is the smell and taste of fall. It's apple. Yes. No, it's I not agree. With you. I, I, I concur. If if it comes down to a choice between something that's apple or an apple cider versus pumpkin, I am going to go apple cider. That said, I do, I like the smell of my pumpkin spice coffee in the morning because <laughs> again, it gives me a nice warm. All right, enough. We don't we don't need a whole commentary on it again. We get it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Well, if you know, if you do notice, Russ, in the picture that I, uh, I sent you and Anthony, right next to the uh, to the pump. Well, actually, I, I zoomed in on the pumpkin spice. Yeah, you right did. I didn't notice it, anything. Yeah. yeah, right next to it was apple crisp wafers. Okay. See, there so, you go. So, and hey, but these were baked with real pumpkins, so you should feel good about. Them. But Mike, this is an election year. You should have shown the apple to show equal time, but you didn't do that. What is it? Pumpkin spice is the blue and uh, apple is the red. (laughs) Not going there. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody.